Hello, and welcome to another episode of Reframe Your Brain. Starting with episode 11, Danielle Kent and I are doing something different. Each week, we'll be sharing conversations with a variety of people talking about what they're reframing in this challenging and pivotal time of COVID-19. If you want to share a story about something that you're reframing, reach out to us on Instagram at Reframe Your Brain. All right. Hi, Angie. Hi, Leah. Uh, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Sure. Uh, my name is Angie. I am a 35-year-old retired, recently retired nurse uh, living in Montpelier, Vermont. Um, also recently bought 82 acres in Worcester. Um, just land. We don't have a home up there yet, but uh, that's the next plan. <laughs> that is super exciting. Yeah. So before we started the recording, we were just talking a little bit about some things that um, you have been thinking about and sort of preparing for before this um, coronavirus um, situation got to be where it is now. And I was wondering if you could give us a little information about or, you know, share a little bit about what some of those big changes were that you, you had made and how you feel that sort of set you up for this time frame that we're going through right now. Yeah, so I retired, I would say, about maybe two to three weeks before the pandemic really hit here. Um, and I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> I mean, I just <laughs> happened to be retiring uh, because... Um, well, honestly, because I didn't have to work. Um, I was choosing to work at the time and it became really stressful. And, um, but anyway, I created a schedule for myself for the week. Um, I need to have some kind of structure. Um, and so I have this like Monday, I do these certain things. And my favorite is five, Friday because it's five or Fridays and I work with wool and um, <laughs> Um, so, that's really funny you call it fiber fridays because the first thing that came to my mind was like what are you eating all day but you're <laughs> that's not right. that's not what you mean, <laughs> that's not what I mean. <laughs> um so um having that already set up by the time uh this all you know we were quarantined um helped me to just to have that to have a structure to my days and to not just completely be lost um, that being said, I have had days where I felt completely lost, and part of what I've been doing is accepting that, um, you know, just being kind to myself, and if there is a day when I just need to sit in front of the TV all day and not doing anything, then I'm okay with that. Um, I, I usually am a very productivity-focused person, so it's, it's difficult to allow myself to not be, um, but Again, I think it's really important right now to be kind to ourselves uh, while we process what's happening in the world. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that some of the context around um, when you retired and um, you mentioned when you introduced yourself that you just bought some land, um, mm -hmm. how those things all fit together and um, your, uh, you had mentioned some, you know, the plans that you and your husband already had and um, how those kind of set you up really well for this time. 
And I wonder if there's like things outside of setting up a schedule for yourself that you're thinking of. Um, well, so uh, because of our financial situation, um, my husband worked in tech and saved most of his money. And that is why I was able to retire. Um, we saved and invested. I paid off my student loans. And um, it, so, it, and we live very minimally. Um, you know, and we're minimalist, but we also are conservative about how we spend our money. Um, I'm very low maintenance. <laughs> I, I, as we discussed earlier, I cut my own hair even. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, <clears throat> yes, and part of me retiring actually, uh, the plan is for him to retire in about a year and a half, depending on how the economy goes and everything mm -hmm. is going on, of course. But um, we bought that 82 acres because we have this life goal of wanting to live off the land and. Um, and certainly, as we discussed earlier, uh, everything that's happening right now is just kind of reinforcing for us <laughs> that that's what we want to do. Um, so, yeah, we are right now in talks with contractors um, to get a place built up there. That's been a little bit tricky with everything going on, too, obviously. Um, but part of my quote job right now is managing that process, um, contacting the contractors and contacting, uh, we're gonna be working with Unity Homes. Um, we chose Unity Homes partly because they are a more sustainable building option. And, um, and also the contractors actually that we're working with do all net zero homes. So mm -hmm. we're pretty excited about both of those. Um, and, yeah, I, I can't wait to get a garden up. <laughs> I cannot express how, uh, yeah, the, the whole food security thing right now, you know, thinking about wanting to have that garden, it, it's been on my mind way more than it would have been at this stage in the process of, of thinking about the land and planning the whole layout and everything. Um, but it, it's unfortunately not set up in a way that we can do that yet. Mm -hmm. um, I have been watching YouTube videos on, you know, what are like the five crops that you want for survival, you know, <laughs> in, in case of the apocalypse. I just recently watched this YouTube video about, you know, uh, the three sisters, obviously, you know, the squash, beans, and um, corn, uh, which I knew <laughs> already. It, it's Again, it's a lot of stuff right now for me, honestly, is just reinforcing ideas that I already have about um, wanting to be sustainable, you know, individually. Um, you know, certainly we want to have sustainable uh, processes in the government and in, um, you know, other forms, but personal sustainability is our focus. Yeah. How have you, how have you been, right now you're, you're living in a town and you don't, like you're saying, you don't have a place to garden. And it's also early April in Vermont, which is not like prime gardening time anyway. Right. <laughs> um, but it's when a lot of people are starting, think about those things, and like plan those out. And how have you been um, feeling about like this idea of food insecurity in a place where we have a lot of access to local foods, 
And there's the same kind of concerns around grocery stores that there are every place else, you know, that those are places where a lot of people are gathering and, and the, that food is being supplied from other parts of the country. Um, so the whole supply chain challenge, um, how has that been for, for you, like getting access to food or finding the foods that you normally get or feeling, how are you feeling even about going out into the community to acquire those foods? Great question. <laughs> um, so with regards to acquiring the foods, honestly, it hasn't been that difficult to acquire the usual things. Um, flour in one week was really difficult to acquire. Um, but we shop at the co-op. We, we support local as much as possible already. And being, as you know, in Vermont, uh, there are a lot of great local farms around here. So um, in terms of at least vegetables, that hasn't been a produce. It hasn't been an issue. Um, and we early on stocked up on the simple things like beans, dry beans, um, which we were already do um, got some grains and I love to bake so <laughs> trying to acquire flour was a big deal for me and it's also therapeutic for me <laughs> to be able to do um, but also yeah going out I already again this is something that was already part of my schedule um, I had one day that I go out to do all the food shopping for the week and when the recommendation came out to only go once a week and I went okay great I already do that one yeah um, but I actually switched what day and time that I go out based on how busy it's been at the co-op. Mm -hmm. So I'm going early on Mondays now. It seems a little bit less busy. Um, they also have that new system where people, for like the elderly, and um, they can go and just pick up food. They, they don't have to like actually go in the store. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I, honestly, through all of this, I have been repeatedly grateful for just being lucky, I think, in a sense. So my husband has asthma, and we have N95 masks already um, because when we were going out to California um, recently, uh, there were really bad fires going on, and we got the masks for him initially because of the smoke, but when I went out, the fires were bad enough that even I needed to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. um, so we I've been able to wear that when I go out food shopping. Um, and actually these days, anytime I step out of my uh, apartment. Um, and I, again, just glad that I already had that. Um, yeah. One of my biggest fears right now, honestly, is uh, making a mistake while I'm out there and bringing something home to my husband who's a little bit more at risk than I am just mm -hmm. should be um, coronavirus. Yeah. But, yeah. I was just picturing, I know that, um before earlier in the spring that you had been like um or even I guess relatively recently you were you were running you've been running out in the out in the wild outside um <laughs> can you run with one of those masks on you can I have not been um my husband has um but again for him it's because of the asthma um, yeah even in, like especially in town when diesel trucks are going by that affects him um so he'll try running with the mask on but um, but even with the mask on, sometimes it can be really difficult, and and it's not always enough. Um, yeah, I personally have been running um, a lot less. <laughs> yeah, uh, doing a lot more home workouts. So that's another thing. I've been doing a lot more yoga and hit workouts at, at the home to keep my body healthy. Um, 
but uh, I went running yesterday, but I went early in the morning. There's a lot less people <laughs> if yeah. you get up early enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's tricky because, you know, I want to be responsible. I'm looking out the window and this guy right now without a mask on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but, but also be reasonable in it and still kind of grappling with where is that line. You know, there's the advice that you're getting. Um, but being a nurse, I, I also have my own, you know, knowledge of, of how things work. <laughs> um, but, you know, also, I guess I'm taking into consideration other people's feelings. Um, you know, it makes other people more comfortable if you have a mask on while you're out there, too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I understand that. It's not too much of an inconvenience to do that. So, um, yeah, I think I'll end up doing maybe some more walks with a mask on because that's a lot easier to do. Then, yeah. yeah. I mean, running, <laughs> running early in the morning when the air is cold, also running with a mask on. Also running in general, like that's just hard. So <laughs> yes. So why why make it harder, I guess? Um, <laughs> um yes, for those listening at home, not a big fan of running right here. Um totally can appreciate why people enjoy it. And when I like the times when I have like an impulse to go running that's a sign that like I am super stressed out like mm -hmm. because when 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 my body and my brain connect so clearly about like go run for me that's like a, a big red flag oh interesting mm -hmm. run at instances? what do you then go for a run at, when that happens occasionally oh <laughs> yeah uh as you know I was traveling with a friend in um, the end of February and um, sort of a very, um, a very full busy trip. And there was one time where like I had just reached my limit of people interaction and scheduled interactions. And it was, you know, a, a heavily scheduled trip and, and a lot of condensed socializing into a short period of time. And one night I was, the hotel that we were staying at had a treadmill, like a little gym in the laundry area. And I had to do laundry and, um, and I was start, I was like, all right, I'm going to be down there. I guess I'll run. And I was running on a treadmill, which is not that, you know, the worst kind of running. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But it was nighttime and it was kind of cold. So, it, and we were not in a place where running outside would have felt better. Yeah. Um, so I ran on a treadmill and watched basketball on the TV that was in the, in the gym. These are not things that I would normally do. I mean, I right. don't, I don't, ha I don't really have a big, a strong opinion about basketball. Like it's cool. It's one of the few sports I understand. And so that's probably why I was like, all right, I know what's going on here. That's at least, you know, I'm not like perplexed the entire time. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, after that, I felt great <laughs> for like the rest of the trip. That was my, I just needed that, that one sort of extreme extreme sport for me yeah <laughs> running for 30 minutes <laughs> my extreme sport level that's great <laughs> um I was thinking back about what you said in the beginning about how you had set up a schedule for yourself when you retired and I'm curious about what that how that works for you like do you stick to it 
do you, it sounds like you give yourself some, some leeway. Like if you're feeling like today is just not a day to do all the things I thought I was going to do. Um, I mean, scheduling, finding that, like, um, that place where you like schedule just enough things, but not too many things and things, you know, that repeat on a weekly basis. I know from talking with other people just in general, that's hard to do under the best of circumstances is like make a plan, stick to it, have it be like the plan that feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious about that. Cause I, that's not something that I generally do. I imagine that's shocking to you to hear me say that, but, um, you know, structure is something that I have a, uh, um, a, an emerging relationship with, let's say. So I'm curious to hear about how you, how you structure that schedule for yourself and how you, like you respond to it. So the way I created uh, the schedule is first, I wrote down a list of all the things, uh, all my interests, all the things that I'm interested in doing, uh, that I enjoy doing and want to do. Um, so being active is something that happens pretty much every day. Um, and then uh, meditating and journaling. And then outside of that, I have, um, you know, one day I'll play guitar, um, or actually it's two days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I have Fiber Fridays, where literally on Friday, that's the only thing that I uh, wrote down, at least. It's, but uh, obviously, I'm also active that day. And um, Thursdays, I bake. Um, so I bake outside of Thursdays, obviously, <laughs> if I want to. Um, and yet, for me, the, the schedule is a guide. It's not a rigid thing that I follow. Um, it's just like I wake up in the morning, I'm like, what am I going to do today? And I look at the list and I go, oh, yeah, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I don't want to do that, then I'm like, yeah, obviously I'll just, you know, sit and Netflix all day or something. <laughs> 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 but I need to do that day. Um, or if something else comes up that's more interesting or, um, or if I was in the middle of the project the day before that I really want to keep going on, then I'll do that. Um, but yeah, for me, it's, it's having a list of things. I mean, the schedule of things be all these things that I really enjoy and want to do. It makes it a lot easier to just, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that today. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing to, like, you know, move around the schedule that you're trying to avoid. And so it gets pushed to, like, 2 o'clock on Thursday sounds like a good time to procrastinate. Oh, that's the other thing. I don't have a time. Nice. Uh, I have a list of things to do and I could, I do them in whatever order feels good that day. Oh, um, I like that. Yeah. So, you know, I know I want to be active today. Do I want to do that first? Nah, I'm not feeling that right now. How about I just read a book for a little while? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can have a, a lazy start to my morning, which I was doing for a while. It was really nice. Um, or as like today, the first thing I did when I got, I was feeling energized and ready to go. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. And I, I did a hit workout. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good that's a energizing way to start the day for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um I like that kind of sort of organizing of the things that you are interested in but not to the point where like you're plotting them out at certain times because that gives you a lot of flexibility and yeah, yeah. um do you want to talk a little bit about baking Sure. What do you want to know? (laughs) (laughs) I've seen a few pictures, but maybe you can tell, talk about some of the things you've baked and like, if there's anything you've been sort of experimenting around, or if you've been baking things that like, you just love to eat. 
How do you, how do you choose what to bake? Right. So um, one of the things uh, is bread. So kind of actually going back to what we were talking about with uh, kind of our future life plans and everything um, and sustainability. Um, along with that, we also want to minimize our footprint, uh, minimize how much plastic we use. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I noticed we were buying in plastic a lot was bread. So I bake bread every week um, for, you know, for the week. So that's one thing that's just like a standard. It happens whenever it needs to happen. <laughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily happen on Thursdays. Um, Aside from that, uh, I've been watching a lot of Great British Bake Off when I do watch Netflix. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, initially, I was really interested in doing a lot of the savory things. Um, so I've done stuff like a picnic pie, which is like a puff pastry that's filled with like sausage and vegetables and stuff. Um, lately, it's kind of veered towards a little bit more sweet things. Um, I, I noticed, so I also, I'm kind of British. <laughs> I'm not at all, but I, like I love drinking tea, <laughs> like I'm drinking tea right now. Um, and I noticed that when I was drinking my tea, like I found myself a little sticky, a little like something to have with my tea. And of course, it's a British thing that people do, or British people do. Um, they have these digestive biscuits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found a really easy recipe and uh, did that recently. And I've been really enjoying those. Ooh, I love those. Yeah, and I like that it's actually mostly whole wheat. So I also try to uh, cook as healthy as possible. Like the bread that I make is with the white whole wheat from King Esther's flour, and um, they have a recipe that is apparently what their most searched and used recipe online. So a little plug for King Arthur flour. It's yeah, recipe. Um, really good bread. Um, so aside from that, I have been goodness. I made a frangipan tart recently. So uh, I wanted to make a Bakewell tart. I kept seeing this on the Great British Bake Off. I kept talking about Bakewell, and it's uh, a tart that has a raspberry jam and then a frangipan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did make that, but I messed up the frangipan mixture because I was using a British <laughs> recipe that was in grams, and I didn't oh. it properly. <laughs> <laughs> We use way too much butter. Oh no! First accident. I'm like, oh no, too much butter, just more deliciousness, really. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite right, but it's still delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have, we have this load, a load of chocolate from Matthew, my husband's mom. So years ago, I don't even know exactly how many years ago, he bought his mom five pound bar of Girardelli chocolate. Oh wow. She popped up into pieces and froze and has been in the freezer for again I have no idea how many years and she's been gradually pawning it off on us every time we go to visit (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for this present I have some for you now that's hilarious (laughs) so um, we have all this chocolate I'm like oh yeah but trying to figure out ways to use it in bakes or or whatever so I ended up melting it down and putting orange zest in it um, putting that over the French pan in the tart. Um, that was my most recent project and that was just pretty fun. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Tell me, can you tell me what frangipan is? Oh, it's a, it is described as almond cream. Okay. Yeah. So there's all kinds of things in baking that they do with um, almond, <laughs> but it, it's basically just the ground almond with mixed with eggs and butter and sugar. And so it's not quite like marzipan. But no, yeah, because marzipan is more tasty. Mm-hmm. Um, cover things with it. 
Yeah. Is it a similar flavor? Um, I mean, it has almond. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. We'll say it's close. I think I, I, I've eaten it before and not known that that's what it was until, until I also watched all the Great British Bake Off shows. <laughs> not, not recently, but yes. Um, and I, the closest thing that I can think of to compare it to is marzipan, but uh, I wasn't sure if that was really accurate. But it, marzipan is made from almonds too, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. I, I don't know what else is in there. I'm sure sugar, but other than yeah, that, I yeah, <laughs> some kind of fat <laughs> seems like. I'll let you know once I made it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You know, one of the things I've been thinking about is because I've seen some of the pictures you've shared on social media of the things you've been baking. Is, and lots of people have been baking um, and it makes me wonder where like who's eating all these things and you know <laughs> normally if you bake something like that you would invite people over to share it with or you'd give some away so that you don't have a giant chocolate brand pan tart to work mm -hmm. your way through um, and so I've just been wondering like is there a way to create some kind of like pastry CSA because there's, there's, you know, around here right now, a lot of the spring and summer CSAs are starting to mm -hmm. um, become available with, you know, kale and uh, lettuce greens or salad greens. And like, you know, the cabbage seems to grow perpetually here. So there's, mm -hmm. you know, things like that and other stuff too. But I've just thought it would be really cool to create a pastry CSA. I think it would make um it'd be a really good financial investment and <laughs> in times of stress people seem to bake a, I had no idea that so many people that that would be what people were like I need to bake yeah I did not know that either I mean I was already doing this like I said a lot of the things mm -hmm. that I've been doing is things I was already doing it's just maybe amplified a little bit <laughs> yeah I was um, I don't know about other people but we certainly have no trouble eating the things that I bake here <laughs> Well done. <laughs> There's a reason I have to run, Leah. <laughs> I know. I was thinking back to that your weekly, your daily, your daily activity, your daily movement activity. <laughs> Those go well together. That'd be. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes actually my daily movement activity is just stretching. I mean, yeah. Obviously, rest and recovery is a very important part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mix. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about, so you used to, you, before you retired, you were working as a nurse, as a hospice nurse. And I was, when, when we set up this conversation, one of the things I was thinking about was like, you know, as a hospice nurse, especially you are around a lot of, obviously people who are like approaching death or, um, really sick. And like, how do you feel about having retired before this period where like, that's something that so many people are thinking and interacting with in a way that a couple of months ago, like, you know, if you said to someone that you were a hospice nurse, it might seem like um, they might not even know what that means, you know? and like to not be in that profession right now. I I was wondering like, 
do you feel a sense of relief around that? Are you like, oh, I'm missed out in some way? I mean, that's a little bit, bit morbid, but you know, for people who are like, for people who are so invested in like healthcare and um, helping professions, sometimes when they do retire, they're like, oh, I could be helpful now and I'm missing an opportunity to be helpful. Or like, I have skills and I'm missing an opportunity to like share those skills. In that sense, missing out. Yes, Not yes. like missing out on the, the, the harder aspects of that. Um, or yeah. are you like, no, that was just my time to leave that profession and I feel really good about that. Um, no simple answer there. Uh, <laughs> it's actually been, um, I have had a sense actually of not missing out, but feeling guilty mm. for not working right now um, because I do have those skills and, um, you know, there is a need for it. Uh, not as strongly here as maybe other states actually, but um, at this moment, but um, <clears throat> Yeah, so I, I actually have been dealing with feeling guilty about not working. Um, yeah. Not that I want to be. I, I certainly don't, obviously. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, feeling like I need to do what's right for me. And, yeah. and I don't want to put my husband at risk. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, again, also going back to gratitude that I have that option. Um, if I were working right now, I probably wouldn't be able to stay here. I'd have to be separated from my husband during that time. Right. Um, which would just make this all the more difficult. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not an easy answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's not an easy... Yeah. Um, circumstances, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can appreciate the complexity of that. I mean, knowing that... I imagined, like you said, that if you were working right now, you wouldn't be able to be where your husband is. And that that, you know, knowing other individuals who are in that situation, like the challenges that that presents on top of an already challenging, like that's a, that's a, that's a difficult decision to make to, to, to separate during a stressful time. Yeah. And that that's not a decision that, like no one needs to make, we, we don't all need to make the same decisions. Um, and recognizing the value sometimes in knowing what is best for you and for, you know, your, your, your family, your relationship and being uh, comfortable enough with that to make that decision and stay, you know, sort of on course with what al aligns and resonates with with you and your needs. Um, there's, I've been asking people in these conversations like things to talk about things that they're doing to support themselves or to support others. And sometimes the responses that um, initially people will share are about ways that they're sort of putting others bef before themselves and taking, like putting the care of others ahead of their own care. Mm -hmm. And I'm just personally really curious about how as a society, how we think that's like, quote unquote, like the right or better decision. And in some cases it absolutely is. And in other cases, I feel like it creates um, this perspective that like, if you're not sacrificing something, you aren't contributing. 
and that that's really detrimental to like how we see how we value ourselves and how we value each other and um so i really respect that decision to you know you retired before a lot of this started happening and you're like nope that was the right decision for me and i'm not gonna come out of retirement and compromise on something that doesn't really serve me um yeah 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 i think it is partly a, a difficult uh, decision for me uh, to continue um, because of that societal idea um, that, of what we should be doing. But yeah. uh, certainly having a therapist helps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shout out to all therapists ever. Yes. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's probably not an Instagram account, but <laughs> all therapists. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, that's, I, I've had some really interesting conversations around that too, like the shift in providing like mental health support from in-person to yeah. um, via phone or via video, especially for like people who are newer clients of a therapist. You know, if you have a newer relationship with a therapist, that's really different than if you've been like working with the same person for several years or you have like a strong connection right away. And yeah. um, I, I mean, I think therapy is useful regardless, <laughs> even if it is just over the phone, like there's benefit. Um, and what a different kind of experience that is. Um, I think there's like our behavior, we change our behavior depending on like whether we can see someone or whether we're just paying attention to like the tone of their voice or if we can see their like, you know, gestures or other nonverbal stuff. And so it is just an interesting sort of, um, what is that? Sociolinguistic kind of, <laughs> my brain sort of goes in like, oh, are people, are someone documenting this? Like, will will people talk about this in two years? Like, the, the like shift in like therapeutic approaches because you know a hundred percent of people were being seen remotely. I just I'm, I actually yeah I, I'm excited to see what changes might be made as a result of this. You know yeah um, are now working from home, which is a thing that they can do, but they work for the government um, with different contractors, um, but they're not allowed to work from home normally. But why? Right. So my mom told me recently, she said, I'm actually being more productive now that I'm home. Um, and part of that, I think, is there's less distraction. You know, you can focus on your work more. Um, my husband's actually had the opposite problem, which is amazing. So Matthew works from home already. He works for a company out in San Francisco. And what he noticed once everyone started working remotely is that now he's getting more questions. And, you know, because he's experienced with this, uh, people are like, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with that? And, and yeah, it's amusing for him uh, watching all these people come across all the challenges that come along with working from home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, can you imagine how much if more people could continue to work from home, uh, how much less that impact we have on the environment because there are less people driving, commuting, using gasoline and vehicles and <laughs> such. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a fascinating, like, um, scene to try to envision, you know, like, what would that 
look like there's someone I know who lives in LA and rides. She's been going on a lot of bike rides because there's no traffic. And um, one of the things that she posted was like, what about like this radical idea of not of, of converting, you know, like 50% of the roads in LA to be bike only bikes. Um, or, you know, just like now that there are no cars on the road and we see like how much of the space around us is taken up by roads. What if we repurposed some of that? Could we see it? Is it easier to envision now that the cars aren't there when maybe before, because people were always on the roads and driving and in their cars, it was like, well, I could never, I could never change this. You know, that I, I have to be in my car. I have to drive. There's no other option. But now that that's not happening and people, some people are working from home, some people aren't working. Um, does it shift though, our potential, uh, our ability to see like the potential for different options? Um, and maybe like that isn't the option, but maybe there's another creative idea around ways to repurpose some of these spaces that have been created to just, you know, move people from place to place in ways that aren't very efficient and aren't very um, um, sustainable. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously part of the problem is uh, car industry versus- But yeah, yeah. You know, public transport is, has not been invested in, in our country. And I think that's a big part of the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like riding bikes year round in Vermont. Also there's big hills, but- <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of um, practicality. You take your environment into account as well. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I can speak, you know, a little bit about from working from home has been, um, I think I didn't, my, my job wasn't exclusively based from home previously, um, but I already was doing some of that. and. I find it really challenging to like keep work in its designated corner of my house. Like it, it starts to sort of um, like creep into other parts of the day or other parts of, you know, my space. Um, and I, I wonder about like that trade off between being productive or for obviously for people who have kids at home, the productivity piece might not be the case, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, versus like being able to have defined definitively different spaces for work and home. And um, if work is always in your house, do you ever really turn it off? Right. So part of it is having boundaries, you know, yeah. I think as well as mental. Yeah. You know, like when Matthew's working, he's sitting at that desk i know to leave him alone for mm -hmm. one thing you know i don't just start random conversations with him um actually i will send him a message online to, to check in because then he can check it when he's able but if he's focusing on a code that he's writing then uh, he can't be interrupted at that moment and it's not urgent then right <laughs> right right um, and and you know that's something that we set in place uh early on um recognizing that that's that challenge um and, but yeah, sometimes he will stop work, but still be working a little bit in his mind afterwards and things like that. But yeah, you know, we do that too when we're driving home. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Um, a lot of people do stuff like that too. Um, so some of it could be just have, needing to have a little kind of subway time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Because um, we're missing that from not having to move. I've thought about that, like after working at home and being on Zoom calls, you know, for a good portion of the day, going outside, walking down the flight of stairs that takes me to the road and then walking back up and being like, all right, that was my, <laughs> like, it has to almost be like artificially embedded, you know, because it's not, it's not happening. Yeah. Are there any other interesting, like creative things that you are like, that you see like potential for change? within like a, a larger scale like anything that comes to mind I like to ask that question too because sometimes people have these ideas of you know like well this thing this aspect of my life and the way I've like interacted with whatever that is could be totally different um I don't know I feel like a lot of our ideas about life and how we're going to live them are already really different from yeah. other people's, you know, it's very different from the norm. Um, and I'm trying to think if there is anything different. I mean, <laughs> that's okay. That was a, that was a very, yeah. I mean, we still, you know, I guess one of the things we were talking about recently is, um, definitely wanting to be able to store. I, I think this is something that's new actually for Matthew. He, he's brought up wanting to be able to have certain things that we can store for years. If mm -hmm. You know, certain things like potatoes and um, canned canning specifically he mentioned recently, which he hadn't really, you know, we hadn't been talking about or whatever. I mean, we right. knew some canning, but more like, Canning with extra, <laughs> you know, having <laughs> extra storage. Yeah. Of um, so, so food preservation. Yeah. For um, like method methodologies of food preservation and expanding maybe a little bit beyond what you had initially been thinking about and talking about. Yeah, in terms of quantity, at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I you guys have such great. Um, I mean, I know that this has this idea of like buying land and living off the land has definitely been a, a multi-year sort of long-term project that you both have been thinking about and working towards. And it's, it is sort of fortuitous that you had really taken some big steps to make that happen right before this pandemic, like really, um, um, reached as far worldwide as it as it has mm -hmm. um and that is sort of that is sort of um it feels like you said lucky it also feels like the right match for where you are and where the world is um, yeah the only thing is we wish we could already be on the land <laughs> yes yeah building a house might take a little longer yeah we mentioned we already had the house up there so that we could now be starting our garden for you know the summer and right that. but um well and uh, you know again then we could be outside more you know being in the, we are literally in the middle of the capital <laughs> um so um we have to like we actually on the weekends now have been driving up to the land to you know do things up there you know there's a lot of stuff we need to get done um and you know picking a, a site and 
clearing some things and uh, we have to update that the road needs a little bit of repair. Uh, it's a half mile drive in. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of road being there. Um, and it's dirt road. It's not like it's paved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's Vermont, and this is the t the town that you bought land in is a tiny, tiny place, and um, there's a there's there's a lot of space between neighbors. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, that's really exciting. I think I imagine that it's also really great to have something to focus on, yeah. to think about and be like something to look forward to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. And that that was already kind of like the wheels were already in motion for that. It's not like you've had to scramble and kind of like put it all together to be able to focus on it right now. Right. Although Matthew has been saying maybe we should just put up a tarp uh, and move up there now. Or yeah. A yurt. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Although he would just put up a tarp and stay there because. <laughs> Well, I'm sure as the weather gets warmer too, you'll probably be able to spend more time in less, um, uh, your need for a structure won't be as, um, you know, necessary when it's warmer and it's not still mm -hmm. snowing like it's supposed to tomorrow. Oh, right. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spoiler alert, April 8th, it's gonna snow tomorrow. <laughs> yep. Well, Angie, thank you so much for sharing all your thoughts and um, coming on this quirky little podcast that we've got going. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for having me. This was really fun.